Welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 15 of The Light of the World. All right, guys, this week's chapters are Ether chapters 6 through 11, but we are just going to focus on the first half of chapter 6 for today. Um, just as a recap, we remember from last week that Jared and Mahanrei built the ships that the Lord commanded, even though that they could see that there were things that didn't really make sense to them, like how they would breathe. And then they went back to the Lord after they followed his initial direction to build the boats in the first place to ask how to fix that problem. You know, like the breathing problem. <laughs> um, and also ask if he would grant a way for them to see. The Lord then only answers the breathing question and tells them to put holes to be stopped up on the top and the bottom so that they could open them when they were suffocating. <laughs> After going and following his direction on that, Mahanri went back to the Lord and asked about the light, at which point the Lord then asks, what do you want me to do? And Mahanre goes and he fashions 16 stones. And from what I understand, basically he made glass stones. So he put in a lot of work and a lot of effort into making these glass stones and then asks the Lord to make them be like light by touching them. And as the Lord's finger goes out to touch the stones, Mahanre sees the Lord's finger because he had such great faith that the veil was taken from his eyes and he could see the Lord. And then after that, we hear about this amazing experience of Mahanre getting to actually see the Lord in person and learn lots of things from him. So after that amazing experience, the Jaredites now have to cross the ocean. So we're to our chapters for this week now in these vessels that the Lord has instructed that they build. So picture this, imagine yourself, you're about to leave and you know, you know that you're about to get onto airtight boats with only two stones as lights in each one going into the ocean, not knowing where the Lord is going to take you. That's some serious courage. And that made me think of what our trusty uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. So to them... More important than fear was to follow the direction that the Lord had told them to go. But even with all of that, I'm sure that they were still anxious and had some fear going into getting in these boats because even though they clearly had faith in the Lord, they didn't know how long this journey was going to last or what scary moments they were going to encounter. And they got in anyways, trusting that the Lord had a plan for them. And for sure he did. So let's read chapter 6, verses 2 through 12 in Ether. For it came to pass that after the Lord had prepared the stones which the brother of Jared had carried up into the mount, the brother of Jared came down out of the mount, and he did put forth the stones into the vessels which were prepared, one in each end thereof. And behold, they did give light unto the vessels. And thus the Lord caused stones to shine in the darkness to give light unto men, women, and children, that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. And it came to pass that when they had prepared all manner of food, that thereby they might subsist on water and also food for their flocks and herds, and whatsoever beast or animal or fowl they should carry with them, 
And it came to pass that when they had done all these things, they got aboard their vessels or barges and set forth into the sea, commending themselves unto the Lord their God. And it came to pass that the Lord God caused that there should be a furious wind to blow upon the face of the waters toward the promised land. And thus they were tossed upon the waves of the sea before the wind. And it came to pass that they were many times buried in the depths of the sea because of the mountain waves which broke upon them and also the great and terrible tempests which were caused by the fierceness of the wind. And it came to pass that when they were buried in the deep, there was no water that could hurt them, their vessels being tight like unto a dish, and they were also tight like unto the ark of Noah. Therefore, when they were encompassed about by many waters, they did cry unto the Lord, and he did bring them forth again to the top of the waters." And it came to pass that the wind did never cease to blow toward the promised land while they were upon the waters, and thus they were driven forth by the wind. And they did sing praises unto the Lord. Yea, the brother of Jared did sing praises unto the Lord, and he did thank and praise the Lord all the day long. And when the night came, they did not cease to praise the Lord. And thus they were driven forth, and no monster of the sea could break them, neither whale that could mar them, and they did have light continually, whether it was above the water or under the water. And thus they were driven forth three hundred and forty-four days upon the water, and they did land upon the shore of the promised land. And when they had set their, their feet on the shores of the promised land, they bowed themselves down upon the face of the land, and did humble themselves before the Lord, and did shed tears of joy before the Lord because of the multitude of his tender mercies over them. What a beautiful, faith-filled, faith-promoting story. Wow. Okay, so let's talk about a few things in here. In verse three, it says, and thus the Lord caused the stones to shine in darkness, to give light unto men, women, and children that they might not cross the great waters in darkness. And then I want to skip over to verse seven, where it says, and it came to pass when they were buried in the deep water, there was no water that could hurt them. Their vessels being tight, like unto a dish. And also they were tight like unto the ark of Noah. Therefore, when they were encompassed about by many waters, they did cry unto the Lord, and he did bring them forth again to the top of the waters. So two things here. The Lord gave them light and caused that they should shine their entire journey. And also, the way the Lord has designed these boats, they are tight like unto a dish, so that when they're buried deep, deep in the ocean, they don't leak and they don't let water in. So what I thought about is both of those functions are super important. It's super important that Heavenly Father gave us light while we're here on the earth, but it's also super important that we use the tools and the direction that he has given us to make sure that we are tight like unto a dish, make sure our families and our homes and our testimonies are tight so that when we are buried in these deep, hard things, that the things that can overpower us and um, make us spiritually die, they cannot get in because we are tight like unto a dish. And Heavenly Father has given us both of those things. He's given us light and he's given us direction and tools so that we can ensure that we cannot fall. And it reminds me of my favorite, favorite scripture in the whole world, Helaman 5.12. And now my sons remember 
Remember that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is a sure foundation, a foundation whereon if men build, they cannot fall. Building our testimonies and lives around the Savior ensure that we cannot fall, that our metaphorical barges cannot leak as we go through these hard times in our life. So what kinds of light have we been given to light our barges through our journey? We have been given many things, but I want to talk about a few of the things that I was thinking about. And all of these things, when used the way that we are supposed to use them, will then have the effect of making our homes and our families and our testimonies and our own souls tight so that the darkness can't seep in. So the first one I want to talk about is the light of Christ. Every person has been given the light of Christ. Mormon teaches us in Moroni chapter 7, verse 16 through 18, The Spirit of Christ is given unto every man, that he may know good from evil. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. For everything which inviteth to do good and to persuade to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore, ye may know with a perfect knowledge it is of God. And now, my brethren, seeing that ye know the light by which ye may judge, which light is the light of Christ, see that ye do not judge wrongfully. For with that same judgment which ye judge, shall ye also be judged. So the light of Christ can be known as our conscience. It is our ability to know good from evil, given to all, whether they know that it comes from him or not. President Joseph F. Smith says that the Spirit of Christ, quote, strives with men and will continue to strive with them if they will resist the enticings of Satan until it brings them to a knowledge of the truth and the possession of the greater light and testimony of the Holy Ghost. So as we are resisting temptation and trying to do our personal best, we will not be left in darkness. That light of Christ will not leave us. We have been given the gift of knowing light from dark and good from evil. So why have we been given that? Why is that an essential and important part of his plan for us here on earth? In 2 Nephi chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it says, For it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. If not so, my firstborn in the wilderness, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness, neither holiness, nor misery, neither good nor bad. Wherefore, all things must needs be a compound in one. Wherefore, if it should be one body, it must remain as dead, having no life, neither death, nor corruption, nor incorruption, happiness, nor misery, neither sense, nor insensibility. Wherefore, it must needs have been created for a thing of naught. Wherefore, there would have been no purpose in the end of its creation. Wherefore, this thing must needs destroy the wisdom of God and his eternal purposes, and also the power and the mercy and the justice of God. And if ye shall say there is no law, ye shall say there is no sin. 
And if ye shall say there is no sin, ye shall also say there is no righteousness. And if there be no righteousness, there be no happiness. And if there be no righteousness nor happiness, there be no punishment nor misery. And if these things are not, there is no God. And if there is no God, we are not, neither the earth, for we, for there could have been no creation of things, neither to act nor be acted upon. Wherefore, all things must have, must have vanished away. And now, my sons, I speak unto you these things for your profit and learning, for there is a God, and he hath created all things, both heaven and in, and in the earth, and all things that in them are, both things to act and things to be acted upon. So I want to emphasize part of that. If there is not righteousness, there be no happiness. The light of Christ is our ability to know the difference between right and wrong. And so if there were no right and wrong, this whole plan doesn't exist. There is no happiness. There is no righteousness. There, like Those scriptures are just uh, mind-blowing. We were not sent here to wander with no purpose or direction. We were sent here with the light of Christ. We know what is wrong and what is right. We were given that because he knew that without that inherent gift, we would not actually be able to use the agency we've been given. If there's no right or wrong, it all crumbles. The next gift of light that I want to talk about is the Savior himself. Sharon Eubank said in her talk called Christ, the light that shines in the darkness. She says, Jesus said, I am the light that shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not. That means no matter how hard it tries, the darkness cannot put out the light ever. You can trust that his light will be there for you. The savior tells us in revelations chapter three, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. He is always there. His arm is extended out all the day long and all we have to do is be open and reach for him. All we have to do is take advantage of the gift that has already been paid for, the atonement of Jesus Christ. Elder Matthew S. Holland said in his talk called The Exquisite Gift of the Son, he says, I witness to you that through the staggering goodness of Jesus Christ and his infinite atonement, we can escape the deserved agonies of our moral failings and overcome the undeserved agonies of our mortal misfortunes. Under his direction, your divine destiny will be one of unparalleled magnificence and indescribable joy a joy so intense and so unique to you, your particular ashes will become beauties beyond anything earthly. That you might taste this happiness now and be filled with it forever, I invite you to do what Alma did. Let your mind catch hold on the exquisite gift of the Son of God as revealed through His gospel in this His true and living church. The Savior is the light and life of the world. And he can be the light and life of your individual life. All right. Another light we have been given is prayer. We learned last week from Mahanrai 
that the Lord expects us to pray to him always. Mahanre was chastised for three hours for not being good about doing it. Elder Bednar has said, we are commanded to, quote, pray always, vocally as well as in our hearts, before the world as well as in secret, in public as well as in private. I testify that prayer becomes more meaningful as we counsel with the Lord in all our doings, as we express heartfelt gratitude, and as we pray for others with real intent and a sincere heart. Jacob tells us in 2 Nephi chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, And now, my beloved brethren, I perceive that ye ponder still in your hearts, and it grieveth me that I must speak concerning this thing. For if ye would hearken unto the Spirit which teacheth a man to pray— ye would know that ye must pray for the evil spirit teacheth a man not to pray, but teacheth him that he must not pray. But behold, I say unto you that you must pray always and not faint that ye must not perform anything unto the Lord. Save in the first place, ye shall pray unto the father in the name of Christ, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee and thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. The other night I was, Um, talking to my daughter about praying. And I told her that praying is something that I have always struggled with. I have often felt that I'm talking to myself. And I've also often felt bored as I pray. And I think a lot of that boredom comes from my own lack of, um, I don't want to say they weren't sincere, but just they had become repetitive and um, not as heartfelt as they could have been. And so that made me feel bored of them. Um, and I would definitely still say I'm in the midst of some significant growth in this area, but I told her this, the more I am doing the daily things that I'm supposed to be doing, the more connected I feel to him. And the more connected I feel to him, the more meaningful my prayers become I've had a a few days recently when I've felt just really in tune with the spirit and really like I had a personal relationship with the savior. And I've been reminding myself of Tevye in the fiddler on the roof where he is walking around and talking to God as if he were his friend. And the closer I'm getting in spirit to him, the more I find myself talking to him in my head throughout the day, constant little prayers. And then when I get down on my knees at night for my big doozy official night prayer, because I've been close to him all day, I actually feel him. When we involve him in our whole day and in our life, when we get down on our knees and we're ready to say our our big prayer of the day, it feels so much more intimate because we've already included him in our, in our whole day. And he already feels close. It's not like I, at least on the days when I really feel a big connected prayer, it's, um, it's not like those are the days where I just went throughout my day and got my stuff done and didn't think once about him. That's not when that happens. It happens when I am including him in my entire day. And then I can think of more things to say because the prayer is coming more from my heart than they ever have before. And I'm not saying these prayers because I need to check it off the list. I'm saying them because it it's what makes my day feel complete 
to speak to my friend who has been with me all day. The fourth light I want to talk about is the word of God and where we can get it. Sister Anne M. Dibb recounted the story of the iron rod. She says, in the scriptures, we learn about another key piece of safety equipment, a rod of iron, which we know represents the word of God. Disciples of our Savior, Jesus Christ, are invited to hold onto this rod in order to safely find their way to eternal life. I am speaking of Lehi's vision of the tree of life found in the Book of Mormon. Through divine revelation, the Book of Mormon prophet Lehi and his son Nephi were each shown a vision of our mortal probationary state and its accompanying dangers. Lehi says, And it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness, yea, even an exceedingly great mist of darkness, insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way, and they wandered off and were lost. Yet he also saw other multitudes pressing forward, and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron, and they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to that rod of iron, until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree." meaning the tree of life. From Lehi's vision, we learn that we must take hold of this safety railing, this iron rod found alongside our individual straight and narrow path, and hold tight until we reach our ultimate goal of eternal life with our Heavenly Father. Nephi promises that those who hold fast to the iron rod would never perish, neither could the temptations or the fiery darts of the adversary overpower overpower them unto blindness to lead them away to destruction. So we know that we need to hold tight to the iron rod to get through this life, to get to eternal life. Where do we get the word of God that can do that for us, that can safely get us through? One is the scriptures. I am always amazed at the sacrifice and dedication by so many to bring us the scriptures. Even you know, there's, there's Joseph Smith who sacrificed so much to bring us the book of Mormon. And there's Mormon and Moroni who sacrificed so much at the end of the, the Nephites to get us, make sure the plates were safe and that they didn't fall into the wrong hands. There's, you know, the, the planning and the extreme care taken by our heavenly father to ensure that they remained safe and that they got to Joseph Smith and, but then there's the prophets themselves that wrote them. And I just, even in, in living their lives, the way that they did the stories that we have just containing the choices that they made are such an example to us and such a gift. When I read the story of Abinadi and his determination to do as the Lord commanded him to do, At the time, he probably didn't know how many millions of people he would affect just by faithfully fulfilling his personal mission. I mean, just just listen to this in Mosiah 13. And now when the king heard these words, he said unto the priests, Away with this fellow and slay him. For what have we to do with him? For he is mad. And they stood forth and attempted to lay their hands on him. But he withstood them and said unto them, Touch me not. For God shall smite you if ye lay your hands upon me. For I have not delivered the message which the, which the Lord sent me to deliver. Neither have I told you that, that which ye have requested that I should tell. Therefore, God will not suffer that I shall be destroyed at this time. But I must fulfill the commandments wherewith God has commanded me. 
And because I have told you the truth, ye are angry with me. And again, because I have spoken the word of God, ye have judged me that I am mad. Now it came to pass after Abinadi had spoken these words that the people of the king Noah durst not lay their hands upon him for the spirit of the Lord was upon him and his face shone with exceeding luster even as Moses did while on the Mount Sinai while speaking with the Lord. And he spake with power and authority from God and continued his words saying, Ye see that ye have not power to slay me, therefore I finish my message. Yea, and I perceive that it cuts you to your hearts, because I tell you the truth concerning your iniquities. Yea, and my words fill you with wonder and amazement and with anger. But I finish my message, and then it matters not whither I go, if it so be that I am saved. What an incredible example. What a light to our life to be able to read the experiences of these prophets who were so courageous and so valiant and so faithful to the Lord. We can find direction in our life from the scriptures. We can find inspiration and peace and, and love and self-worth and mercy and purpose and countless things that we might need at any given moment in our life from the scriptures. They are a gift and a light from the Lord given to us to guide our lives so that we can safely return to him. So the second way that we can cling to the word of God, the iron rod, is through the words of our modern day prophets. I love our prophet. As my last quote today, I'm going to end with some words that can give us light from our prophet, from this past general conference. And also, just as a side note, it can serve as, re as a reminder for what he has asked us to do over the next six months. When your greatest desire is to let God prevail, to be part of Israel, so many decisions become easier. So many issues become non-issues. You know how to best groom yourself. You know what to watch and read. You know where to spend your time and with whom to associate. You know what you want to accomplish. You know the kind of person you really want to become. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, it takes both faith and courage to let God prevail. It takes persistent, righteous, spiritual work to repent and put off the natural man through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It takes consistent daily effort to develop personal habits to study the gospel, to learn more about Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and to seek and respond to personal revelation. During these perilous times, of which the Apostle Paul prophesied, Satan is no longer trying to hide his attacks on God, God's plan. Emboldened evil abounds. Therefore, the only way to survive spiritually is to be determined to let God prevail in our lives, to learn to hear his voice, and to use our energy to help gather Israel. Now, how does the Lord feel about people who will let God prevail? Nephi summed it up well. The Lord loveth those who will have him to be their God. Behold, I, behold, he loved our fathers, and he covenanted with them, yea, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he remembers the covenants which he hath made. And what is the Lord willing to do for Israel? The Lord has pledged that he will fight our battles and our children's battles and our children's children's battles to the third and fourth generation. As you study your scriptures during the next six months, I encourage you to make a list of all that the Lord has promised that he will do for covenant Israel. I think you will be astounded. Ponder these promises, talk about them with your family and friends, then live and watch for these promises to be fulfilled in your own life. 
My dear brothers and sisters, as you choose to let God prevail in your lives, you will experience for yourself that our God is a God of miracles. As a people, we are his covenant children, and we will be called by his name. I want to leave you with my testimony. The Lord has not left us alone and in darkness. It has never been his wish that we go through this life in darkness and despair. He has given us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to testify to you that as we do the little things that we are supposed to be doing and we do the things that our prophet has asked us to do, that will make our ships, our testimonies, our lives, our families tight like unto a dish and the devil cannot get in. We will not be left in the dark. He is the light and the life of the world and the light and life of my life. And as we go and do, as we let him prevail, he will direct our path and our cause like the Jaredites. He will cause a furious wind to blow us toward him. And when we are buried in the depths of the sea on a journey that might seem to have no end, his light is still with us. Our ships can still be tight and we can call out to him when we are have reached our limits. We can call out to him as the Jaredites did for air and we can praise the Lord along the way. This does not mean our trials will magically lift, but he has told us, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give unto you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Elder Bednar reminds us in his talk, The Tender Mercies of the Lord, we should not underestimate or overlook the power of the Lord's tender mercies. The simpleness and sweetness and the constancy of the tender mercies of the Lord will do much to fortify and protect us in the troubled times in which we do now and yet will live. When words cannot provide the solace we need or express the joy we feel, when it is simply futile to attempt to explain that which is unexplainable when logic and reason do not yield adequate under, understanding about the injustices and in and inequities of life when mortal experience and evaluation are insufficient to produce a desired outcome when it seems that perhaps we are totally alone truly we are blessed by the tender mercies of the lord and made mighty even unto the power of deliverance we are not alone and I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.